Welcome to the Be Your Own Muse podcast. I'm your host, Katie Skinner. I'm a certified life and success coach, wellness junkie, career writer, keynote speaker, mentor, serial entrepreneur, and big time dreamer. My podcast is for the self-love junkie, the creative hustler type with the big heart, spiritually curious dreamers and believers out there who want to tap into their own magic. This podcast is for you if you want to tune out the noise and tune into your heart. Time to say no to what's not aligned and say yes to what your soul craves. Grab the microphone, Rockstar, because when you are your own muse, you are unstoppable. Hello, and um, welcome to the newest episode of Be Your Own Muse podcast. I'm your host, Katie Skinner, and I have a very awesome guest with me, Helen Hicks, who is a life coach who coaches queers, punks, and artists to self-actualization one phone call at a time. And I'm very excited about this interview for many reasons, which we will get into, but uh, when I found Helen, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know anything about her other than what I just read to you, but I know that like, this is the person I need to learn more about. Um, I felt like a lot of things crossed in my life when I met you, a lot of stars aligned. Um, so hello, Helen, how are you? <laughs> Hi, Katie. I'm I'm good today. I'm so excited to be talking to you and thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. Yeah. So where are you from? Um, I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I was born there. Cool. And I left cool. when I was 18. Yeah. You said you haven't, you left when you were 18, then you came back? I left when I was 18. I went back when I was like 20. And then, I mean, I'm in LA now. I've lived in a bajillion different places. Well, yeah. a bajillion, maybe more like six different cities, but it feels like a bajillion. Yeah. So you said you're in LA right now, but you're from Atlanta, Georgia. What are you doing in LA? Um, living, uh, li- uh, living in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My, you know, my partner has a career here. That's not the industry. Uh-huh. Not that, that's not why we moved to LA. Um, but, um, yeah, we're just here. My partner had a lot of opportunities and I can work from anywhere. So we were like, Let's, let's try LA out. Cool. I actually just came, um, I visited there over the weekend. I just left there yesterday. Uh, that oh, was my yeah. first time ever visiting. I, I, I mean, I don't live there, but I loved it there. Like just the, the short time that I was there, I thought it was, there was definitely something different about that city. Uh, I currently live in Las Vegas. And so I've heard people make the comparisons, but there's just something different about LA. It's just something a little. Where did you, where did you stay in LA? Um, I stayed in a beach house in Santa Monica. Um, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. That's not where I live. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I we didn't get a lot of time to like explore inside of the city, but um, we had a weekend. So we mostly just like stayed indoors. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I am super interested in hearing like about your background story. Like what do you do now? Kind of what is the scope of what you do and how did you get into it? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes when it's like, what's your story, Helen? I'm like, well, I was born. Yeah. And (laughs) I knew that was a little question when I asked it. (laughs) I don't love asking it, but. Yeah. I mean, usually it's like followed up by like, and I did not ask to be born. Yeah. And you know, like, um, uh my childhood was like it wasn't easy it wasn't the worst one that ever happened but um you know my mom was chronically ill from the time I was seven until she passed in 2018 and um my dad was an alcoholic and he died in 2011 and I'm a Pisces with a Leo moon okay (laughs) and the other the other one is Sagittarius and I don't know what that means but I feel like I just like gave my social security number um but you know like that kind of upbringing and like having the kind of natural like I had like a natural sensitivity and then kind of like growing up with an alcoholic in the house and like um and growing up kind of I'm an only child so I was like taking care of my mom too 
um, I just kind of had this like really, really articulated sensitivity, right? Yeah. To like everything. I recently has been suggested to me that I'm a highly sensitive person. Yeah. It's like, um, was shocking to me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, um, because it makes complete sense. But anyway, so that was kind of, that's like the short story of my childhood. It was difficult. I went to Catholic school. Um, I did, I never really fit in my family um, and always had like really deep, uh, intimate friendships. Mm-hmm. And like from, from my teens onward, people always were saying like, Helen, you should be a therapist, you know, like you're so good at listening or whatever. And, and I really resented that because I felt like because of the illnesses that my parents suffered from, I was already taking care of everyone. Um, and I was like, you wish, you wish I would take care of everyone else. Like, I don't want that. You wish I would take on more of this, like, you know, just exploit my empathetic nature and just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like, and, and so I guess I was just trying to protect my energy, uh, in a, in a very crude, like closed minded way. And, um, and yeah, and I just had a wild decade of my twenties and, um, you know, I was, I was. 23 when the recession happened mm-hmm. which is like the age when you know before the recession that was used to be the age when a, an adult would start their career mm-hmm. right and yeah. like I was like in a like living in a squat in Berkeley and had three part-time jobs and absolutely no um ambition like I had no idea what I like I had no like it never occurred to me that I might have a purpose mm-hmm. or like some, some special set of skills that would be useful to, to more than just me in my basic survival, you know? Um, it was a really, it was a tough time. Uh, it was also really fun, you know, like um, squatting is fun. Being a punk is fun. Like it's badass. You get like some street cred and you roll around, you wear cool clothes. You know, I was in bands and, um, had a ton of friends, I mean, ton of friends, right, like cool. air quotes, you know, <laughs> party friends. Um, also, yeah. I mean, I have really close friendships that I started in my early 20s still, and um, they're, they're some of the most important people in my life. But, um, so, I mean, that's kind of what my 20s looked like, and then I, you know, sort of was like, okay, now I'm 28, and I have no idea what I'm doing, so I guess I'll go to grad school. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs> not what you know it was like while I was doing it I knew I knew it was I was gonna regret it um which like and I want to say regret with an asterisk because regret like it doesn't feel like regret anymore it turned into like a um a propelling force to kind of be like you know that happened what can I make of it now like it doesn't have to be like oh, you know, like X amount of dollars down the drain. I got my master's degree from UT Austin in um, women's and gender studies. Cool. Which if you want to be able to pay your student loans back, don't get that degree. Um, It's like, it's not a lucrative field. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially now more than ever, I feel like that field should be booming, but you know. I mean, but at its, in its essence, and it, this is something that I kind of like grapple with, with my business is like, in its essence, like the, like the field of feminist and queer and gender studies is anti-capitalist, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of little intricacies of like, you know, am, am I, is, am I am I living my values right now, or am I trying to project an image of anti-capitalism at the expense of my personal comfort and like thriving, or you know like there's just kind of a lot of little image-based like surface superficial things that I experience that I, I that is I mean when we're ready I really would love to get into that because I think um, that is like huge because I had to deal with that when I like you I worked three part-time jobs at one point in my life I was living in Richmond Virginia um you know we were very into like fuck the man like I took two women's studies courses and I thought I knew everything 
um, in undergrad, you know, mind you, in like Richmond, Virginia, which is like a very quickly progressive city. It is the capital of the Confederacy, but it is a very, very quickly, quickly progressive. Um, oh know, my God, yeah, that connection of Richmond and Atlanta, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, like they, totally, in that. You know, they were very quick to tear down some of the monuments, like they were just, they are very, very progressive in that, in that way. Um, that being said, when I started to charge for my own services, there is that awkwardness of like, I deserve money so that I can hire a team. I can use platforms. I can produce free content. And I just remember coming into business with this like anti-capitalist idea of like, I'm going to serve the people. And like, I don't want to, you know, worship my Starbucks overlords because I used to work for Starbucks, you know, anyway that's a whole other topic that like I know a lot of my listeners grapple with is like should I feel guilty for making money should I feel guilty for wanting money how can I you know because a, a lot of the people who follow me I also know are very educated like they know the issues they know what's going on and then there's this awkwardness of like self-service or what have you um mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm curious on like the segue of you starting your own business from all this information, all this life yeah. experience, all this like actual tangible schooling um, to doing what you do now. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so out of out of grad school, I still felt really lost, you know, and I took this this uh, job that I shouldn't have taken that I took um, for reasons not unrelated to the issues that we're kind of going to spin into in a minute which was I took a job that paid too little that um, was at a place that I didn't believe in and was a position that um, I, I, I knew was not a good fit for me. It was an executive assistant position at a nonprofit. And I knew all of these things were true about it. And still I took the job and yeah. it was a disaster, you know, like, and, and I didn't have a whole lot of spiritual tools to deal with mistakes like that or to deal with like paths that I take knowing that maybe I was uh, settling, you know, yeah. or being opportunistic. And I, um, yeah, so I like burned those bridges pretty fast. <laughs> like I lasted about a year and like, and, um, and I left on, I mean, on bad terms. I left on bad terms. I wasn't fired, but I was just like, fuck this place. Like, and, and that it was all about my attitude. Like, yeah, it's a nonprofit. Like, I mean, shout out to anybody who works their asses off at nonprofits, but that's like, that's the game. You, you get paid pennies to work 60 hour weeks. And a lot of times um, the, the impact that you want to make gets watered down by the time the impact happens. And so it yeah. can be very demoralizing. Um, so anyways, that's where I was at. And then I started nannying again. And, and so January of 2017 I was like maybe I should go back to grad school and become a therapist you know everyone has always said I'd be good at that and then I'm like no fuck that fuck more grad school I'm not doing that like yeah. I like <laughs> I mean just as a side note uh, grad school was like so traumatizing to me that I didn't read a book for pleasure for like three years after I graduated yeah yeah because I was like I've been reading a thousand pages a week Am I retaining any of it? I don't know. <laughs> I got a degree or whatever, but like, uh, I don't know. Um, so anyways, so I, the seed kind of like hatched cause I, it's, it's, this is, this might be corny, but I kind of like, owe this book, everything, not everything. I owe this book some kudos for real. Um, I read, um, you are a badass. Yeah. I, I just like picked it up too. and I read it and I was like, I'm a life coach. Like, yeah, <laughs> I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is like what I am. Like, I feel like it resonated so much with me. And, and I knew that, it, you know, I felt a little bit manic about it. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna do some research about what, it, what that takes and what that means. And, and if I still want to do it in six months, then I'm gonna start taking steps to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And I still wanted it in six months. And, um, you know, it was hard to choose how to get certified. I, I really, I don't want to say anything too controversial. And, and I also might be like, you know, have like an inflated uh, sense of self-importance, uh, as many of us do. But hey, your own muse, right? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like there's a lot of coaches who are running pyramid schemes. Yes. And like, 
and and not the person who we met each other through which is who Rachel Quint yeah like yeah she, I was trying to remember and, and she connect like she didn't actively connect us but that that's like kind of how we mm-hmm. ran into each other on the internet and and I'm not talking about people like her because she seems very like um down to earth and like not super like and then I will have this empire where I'm yeah she's been a guest on this podcast I, I think she's awesome yeah yeah so but there's this other thing where it's like pantsuits and skirt suits and um join join my subscription site for fifteen hundred dollars a quarter and you'll get everything you need to make six figures in two weeks and I'm like yeah no like that's uh bad I don't even have to learn more about it because I know that it's not aligned with my values because my values are about uh, incremental change and allowing myself and my life and my clients to unfurl at whatever pace they, um, that we all need. And um, the pace of late capitalism is not one that works for me. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're bringing this up too, because um, when I started my life coaching journey, um, I started off as a copywriter. Um, and I made a good living because my angle as a co- I, was, I started off as a copywriter for coaches and then I became a coach myself. My copywriting for coaches angle was like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to force anybody into anything. We're going to like invite through our own essence and the results will explain themselves. Like that was my angle. It was a little hard to sell because some people are really into like the sexy, like strong, forceful, capitalistic, masculine angle on selling. Um, yeah like do or die results in 20 seconds, like buy this or else kind of angle that you see. Mm-hmm. It makes you think of like infomercials, like infomercial was like, call now, but wait, there's more like, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and it's so messenger. funny too. Cause that, that whole like, um, kind of QVC, uh, like home shopping network aesthetic always appealed to me as a kid. Like there's tons of home videos of me being like, now you can have this for just $9.99 a month. Like a little 11 year old Helen, like trying to be like, sell you shit. Um, but yeah, that's so cool that that's, that that was your journey too. Cause there's this tension, right? Where it's like, gotta pay rent, gotta pay the bills. Yeah. And yet coming up as, um, for me personally, I don't know if you have, like, I think you mentioned that you have kind of a punk background, but like, like having this, like, this, like, um, money is evil. Um, money makes you move to the suburb. Um, and, um, I can live off of, I mean, like I lived off of like $250 a month for a long time. And like, and that is like a badge of honor. Anyways, I'm getting off topic, but like, it's really interesting that that's where you came from. So you're like, it's not, um, anyways, you know what I'm yeah, saying? No, I, mean, I, do. Eye on I do. And I mean, like, along with being a punk, like when I started my life coach journey, I lived in Washington, DC because my husband had a job there and it was massively, massively triggering to me to be surrounded with the, by the pantsuits and the people who dropped how much money they made and what they did. And there I was like struggling to pick up this life coaching business off of this belief that it didn't have to be the way that was projected in front of me. Like everything that is being projected in front of me, it doesn't have to be this way but I just kept battling with that. So I fell victim to a lot of these quote unquote pyramid schemes that coaches sell. I, I, I've invested a lot of money (laughs) in things that were like, this is the one breathwork technique that helped me manifest $20,000 overnight. And it's just, just breathing. Find that on YouTube, go to a yoga class. Like, yeah. Okay. And that's but it's like shrouded in mystery. Like, like the thing is, is that I feel like, I mean, and a thing that I get worried about is because I feel like I have a lot of like, I'm like very ad man minded or ad person minded. And like, and I'm like, yeah, I can like wrap it up and shroud it in mystery and make it like really attractive. But like, that's a lie. And like, that is why I'm a punk. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I like, I, I'm, I'm allergic to bullshit, you know? Yeah. And I've learned in my time as a copywriter that there is ways to, you know, include a call to action, include whatever, like, you know, have the sales script. It took me years of tinkering, but like, but it's, it's like in a aligned way. And really it comes down to the essence of the person and how they're being, um, and, and whatnot. Like, 
and then that's when, when I started to get myself in this mess where I was like, well, crap, I'm in like credit card debt. I've invested in all these fucking things I don't need. What do I do? And then that's when like, be your own muse, be your own muse, being your own muse started coming into my head. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know why I keep thinking this. I don't know what it means. Um, and because I wasn't living it. Um, so, but here we are, <laughs> here we are, we're working on it. Um, so how did you get, like, I guess, um, there was a certification process. How did, um, how did you get started ultimately on your, um, your life coaching journey? And like, what did the first startup look like? Um, you mean after I got certified or? Yeah, just like the whole startup journey. Like what was the beginning of your, your life coach journey look like? Yeah. So I, you know, I did an online certification thing because I, 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 I made enough headway with, um, self, self-trust and like, identifying my intuition and like the the um things I'm good at already to be like I'm gonna do an online certification course and I'm gonna invest a little bit of money in it and I'm gonna do all the work as well as I can and I'm gonna do that and then I'm gonna build a website and I'm gonna um get my Instagram together or whatever which yeah I don't like Instagram um makes me frown Um, but, but, um, that might be something I need to work through on my own. Um, you don't have to, like, you don't have to use Instagram, you know, nobody has to. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, so what I did was I, I started offering free sessions and I was just like, I don't know, I'm going to offer free sessions until I, I feel like I don't want to anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's all been an incredibly intuitive process where it's like, you know, I had like, gosh, I I think I had like seven clients that that first six months that I didn't charge anything. And then, and it was, and it was so scary. I was like, anytime I'd get on the phone with anyone, I'd be like, okay, like what's going to happen? How do I do this? And like, the more I did it, the more I was just like, this is so intuitive. People are getting shit out of this because they're invested. And I was like, okay, now it's time for me to charge. Right. Because I have this like confidence. And so then I started charging $25 a session and $50 a session. And, um, and then, um, and then it just became kind of a word of mouth thing. Like my Instagram presence is there to be like, I do exist. I am real. And I post from time to time. Um, but really I'm a, I'm, I want to talk on the phone, you know, like I want, I want people to send me an email and be like, Hey, let's do this. Like, can, can I ask you some questions? I'm like, yeah. I'll give you 30 minutes this week. Like, let's, let's do this. And, um, and it's, and like this year I started being able to pay my bills with the money I'm making. And like, um, that feels like, um, a message that I'm doing the right thing. (laughs) Like, yeah, no, right. It's getting better. (laughs) Like the fact that it gets to be easier, you know? Yeah, totally. And like one, one thing too, that I have to throw in there is that, um, so in 2018, my mom died, right? Um, and that was 2018 was the year I started my business. So she died, like I started the business in January and she died um, that August. And that was like the worst, hardest thing that I've ever been through. Um, and and I took, I took a sabbatical after she died. And I was like, it could be a year. I could, I could be not working for a year. Um, and um and I just have to like say that I have to throw that in there that's like a big part of my story and when I came back and I was like it wasn't a year it was like some months and um, I was ready to come back and work and I sat down with a friend and we like redid my website and I contacted all of my clients that I had kind of like been working with before my mom died and um and everybody came back and it was just like I picked up right where I left off and um and it hasn't been hard. You know, I feel like that's like the biggest thing where it's like, I know that I'm doing what I should be doing because um, I love it. Like every time I get off the phone, I'm just like, God, I love my clients so much. Like, this is amazing. I have the best job ever. Yeah. And, and I, um, and it's not hard. I don't, I don't get stage fright. Um, I love my clients. Like I love them and I want them to succeed. And like, it's like such a gift to, to have been able to identify uh, of like a vocation for myself kind of where I get to express um, my love 
for people in a world where it's very difficult to um, trust people enough to be vulnerable and show love in the first place. Yes. Um, and to and to have this kind of like mutual relationship with people where it's like I'm invested in your in your success and your like spiritual fitness. Um, are you invested in it? If yes, like we're gonna work together really well. And um, as as a receiver of life coaching, I've hired them and I've been one. Just having somebody out there who cares about you. I always remind myself that whenever I get in like this, like, oh, am I actually doing, this is too easy. Like this cannot, this cannot be this easy. Like we have to complicate it. Right. Especially with like your background of having so many different jobs and just like jumping from thing to thing. Like it can be so easy to be like, is it this simple? Um, but when I'm reminded, like just having somebody on my email who can, I can talk to if something like that to me is worth everything, especially if you're somebody who's ever been through a period of feeling like you didn't have anybody to talk to. And if you did have someone to talk to, they wouldn't really help you. They would just kind of say like, oh yeah, well, my problems are worse. Like, <laughs> you know, that is just massive value. Just by you being who you are is of massive value. I mean, it, it makes me think of something that I heard somebody say last week. Which, because, like, I feel like because I kind of go on this vein of, um, no, we're not going to have instant results. Like, I need a, I need a commitment of three months, mm -hmm. like, for a client to, I mean, it's a verbal commitment, like, shit happens. Like, I had a client get her dream job after, like, three of our sessions, and I'm like, well, I guess if you think you don't need me anymore, love ya, see you later, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I'm happy for you, but, like, but what, as I've, as I've continued to work on it, I'm kind of like, no, I know what my style is now. And like, I bring spirituality and like radical acceptance. And that is like a, like such a huge, huge central tenant of how I coach. And that's like cognitive behavioral shit. And you need to get it like, that's the kind of shit you need to get drilled into your head, like over and over and over again, before you can really understand what it means to, um, accept an uncomfortable feeling yeah. or identify um a, a behavior like identify a behavior first of all and be present for a behavior instead of just going into autopilot and being like well this is just how it happens and I keep fucking up and it's like no 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 slow down you did a thing and like and then just sitting in it and because that pause can create the whole change right but it takes time and I think Wow, I'm like so long-winded. It's amazing. I can't. No, like, this I is good take stuff. No, 45 minutes to say one thing. Um, no, please. This is where the good stuff comes out. So yeah, by all so, means. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my my point is that like, I'm I'm in for the long game. You know, like it's a long game for me. I'm like I coach towards self-actualization. Yeah. I don't coach towards a dollar sign. I don't coach towards a job. You know, I coach towards a feeling. I coach towards contentment and acceptance, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and I get a little, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to limit myself to like what clients would want to work with me. And I get, I get, I'm pretty woo woo. I don't know if you can tell yet. I get, I'm pretty, Wait a bit. I think I'm it's pretty, Pisces and Leo and Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> the whole thing I mean don't even get me started talking about aliens right ancient aliens okay I'll go there yeah, uh, I went to, on a uh, um, alien tour UFO tour in Sedona like yeah yes <laughs> Ugh, that's on my list um but I mean look the thing is I have a lot of consultation calls where I'm like I'm gonna ask you to explore your spiritual interior and um what's your experience with that and a lot of people, a lot of us have been spiritually abused, you know, yeah. like on, on some level or another. And when people hear spirituality or they hear this idea of like, you know, a spiritual life, what is your experience with that? All they can think of is religion. Right. Uh -huh. And, and I just heard this thing that made me feel so much more at home in my, like, uh, being candid about my spiritual life. And it's that, um religion is for people who fear hell and spirituality is for people who have been there yeah. and when i tell you that i have 
I, I feel like I've been to hell, like with my childhood and the difficulties around that. I have, I've been homeless twice. I like lived in Tompkins Square Park in New York City. Um, I lived out of my car in San Francisco. I have, um, because of my complete lack of like spiritual tools for living, I have fucked my life up over and over and over again. And my spiritual life um, is a miracle. Like, and one of the questions that you sent ahead was like, um, what's the, oh my God, I don't have the question in front it's of okay. me. But it's I like, will ask them soon. <laughs> there will be time soon, but. But, well, it was like, what's the, what's the most inspiring thing about yourself? Or like, what are you most inspired by about yourself? And it's that I'm alive. Like, yeah. I cannot fucking believe that I am still alive. Mm -hmm. And that I get to learn how to be present for myself and help other people be present for themselves and learn how to make new decisions and like not keep trying to put a square in a round peg. I mean, yeah. a square peg in a round hole. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't believe it. Like, I never thought that I could be this way. And I have like a whole, like, infinitely open future in front of me. And I'm astounded. Gorgeous. I, that, I love, I love the distinction you made between like coaching for a specific result um, versus coaching for self-actualization. I mean, my background, my parents and their parents, there's a lot of poverty in my, in my, in my life, in my, my background. Um, and it took me a long time to justify spending money on anything that didn't come to a profit. So like college, that's fine. doesn't matter if you're in debt for college because you will get a career out of it. Um, this thing will help you make money. Like I got my yoga certification um, in 2018 because my justification was I'm going to make money doing this. I'm going to pay this off. Um, but like what I ended up getting was so much more. I got a lot of like confidence and a lot of networking and a lot of uh, just an experience that made me stronger. I didn't make a lot of money teaching yoga at all, but I, yeah, that's it amazing. So it's not, it's not really a thing where you, it's like, you make a million dollars a year. No, but I think it's like the sideways, the non-linear spiritual path, right? Like you, you went into it thinking you were going to make money, but you accidentally got this like new spiritual practice that like improved your life. It's amazing. And I would have never done it if I didn't go into it being like, I just want to make money. Cause I remember we circled up and in the first day and the, the instructor kind of asked us like, why are you here? And I was the youngest person in that group. I was 23 or something. And I was like, I just want to make money. I just want to teach a new thing, bring this to my community, some bullshit answer. I don't know. And everyone else was like, I don't intend on teaching yoga. I just wanted the experience. I just wanted to meet new people. I just wanted to like learn. And I was like, whoa, how mature of you. <laughs> like, um, and I got so uncomfortable when I started to feel things that weren't learning, not like the cerebral, like transportation of knowledge from book to brain. I started to feel things that weren't felt before. I started to feel where my energy was being sucked and where, I, what friendships in my life weren't aligned and what habits were not aligned of mine. And it was like my entire life changed in those, I think six weeks. Yeah. Those six weeks, my entire life just flipped upside down. Um, and I started integrating more spirituality into my business. Cause at the time I was like all copywriting and like selling copywriting packages and like charging hourly working for the man. Um, but um, I think it's, it's interesting that you bring in this piece of like, you are worth the self-actualization because that's what I think some people are trying to communicate when they say self-care isn't selfish. It can sound a little capitalistic-y, but like to care for yourself before the bottom line is the most selfless act that you can, you can make. Is that something you, you feel like you would agree with? Like when it comes to self-care? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it, it bears just as like a side note, like I think it bears uh, call it, or, uh, mention it. Wow. Helen words, bring your words back. <laughs> Self-care does come from the tradition of women of color, um, doing political activism. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that it does get a little bit, um, blurry when, or like, I try to not as a white woman, like talk about self-care so much because I mean, not to, I don't try to not talk about it. I just don't, want to make it meaningless 
you know, because I feel like, you know, we get some some Gwyneth Paltrow action up in here and suddenly I'm buying a $400 vagina candle and that's self-care. I don't think so. Like, that's not where I'm at with it. Um, and so I just want to like, yeah, anyways, the tradition of, of women of color activists, like, very important. The self-care thing is very important. And I think the nugget that I, that you, we can pull out of that context and bring to like our conversation and the conversations that I have with my clients and with my loved ones is that like, you are literally no good to anyone unless you're good to yourself. So don't fucking try to go rescue somebody um, when you are hangry or when you haven't, you have like no spiritual interior, like no spiritual infrastructure to support yourself um, and to go into a situation where you're trying to help someone, right, without expectation that they're going to respond to you the way you want them to, um, which I think for me, this idea of like taking care of yourself first, prioritizing your own mental health and your spiritual fitness is a way to heal codependent behaviors right? Which is such a huge thing that so many of my clients struggle with that I have struggled with that I continue yeah. to struggle with, you know, and like, a lot of us are just conditioned to be like self martyring caretakers who are frustrated and angry all the time, because nobody fucking appreciates us. And it's like my love, my sweet, darling love, nobody asked you to help them, you know? Yeah, I've been on that side. I've also been on the receiving. I think what really snapped me to into like reality of what that really looked like was I have been on the receiving end of that kind of love way too many times as a, as a young kid. And I'm the youngest of six siblings. And I've just had a lot of like very codependent friends and boyfriends who were like, Oh, you poor silly thing. I remember having a conversation with one of my friends when I started learning about the chakra system, I was like shook. Like my mind was blown. Like everything made sense suddenly in my life. Cause I've always been very physical. I've been into sports and movement my entire life. And so integrating like your spirituality with meridians in your body, like that just made so much sense to me. And I remember telling one of my friends about it and she was like, Oh, you sweet gullible thing. Like, let me just, let me help you out and tell you that this is a bunch of bunk right now. And I remember just like, feeling like something inside of me was like, no, this is not bunk. Like, this is real. Like, and just, just, I realized that, that chain, that thread that was going on. Um, and that is just such a fascinating piece of, of, of a nugget of information there that just like, take like just the fact, I still keep thinking of how you said, you've said a lot of really good things, but the fact that you said like, I don't coach for a dollar sign. I don't coach for uh, I don't teach people how to build a funnel. I don't, which there's people who need those because I don't know how to build a funnel very well. Um, but, uh, I coach for self-actualization. That's like getting to the heart of it because I actually remember my first business coach who I ever had business coach. She wasn't really a business coach, but the first coach I ever hired, um, she, I, she, I was like, Hey, can you help me build a website? Can you help me with my business? Can you help me with my profits? Can you help me get clients? And she was like, kind of intuitively was able to tell, like, there's a lot going on here with you, like self-worth, energy leaks, like feeling like you have to, like, there's so much. And she taught me like spirituality. She helped me with, she was a hypnotherapist. And that's when I was, that again was another example where I was like, I'm coming in looking for that dollar sign. I wanted a client. And instead I got these like life lessons that I still carry with me. And the fact that like, I know that you're out there doing that work is so good. So it leads me to my next question. Um, your Instagram bio is coaching queers, punks, and artists to self-actualization. Um, what can you be a little bit more specific on like, who do you love working with? Who, who are you like meant to work with? Who are these queers, punks, and artists that you feel drawn to work with? I mean, I'm not giving any names. I feel no, like that would be not. a breach of privacy your story and your your people like who are your people I mean I queer punks like it's just the, it's just the queer punks you know and like not not exclusively you know like that like I've worked with lots of different kinds of people but um I mean I want to coach myself <laughs> you know and like not my personality but like I mean, there's, there's not a lot of people who have had those experiences of like, 
um, having friends who are squatting or like squatting or like being able to call back to certain like subcultural values that we took on in lieu of like our family of origin values or like seeing this kind of like um, seeing that something's wrong with the status quo or with like hegemonic ideologies. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like queer artists and punk is like pretty specific. I mean, maybe I need to like workshop that because if it's not specific no, it's, enough, I'm like- I think it's, it was to me, it's a breath of fresh air because when I first started dabbling in this industry, I was thinking unconsciously somewhere, what about the queers, punks, and artists? Like, there's so many, like, white women who are in this industry, and, you know, white women are people, too. Like, you know, <laughs> we need love, too. But, and, like, just to hear somebody bring in, like, my love of life coaching and my love of, like, witchcraft and all that kind of stuff and spirituality and to make it accessible to these people because I, I remember going through a phase where I, someone called me out for not being accessible because of my price points. Um, and I decided to lower my prices a lot after, you know, I, I lived in DC, I had bills to pay. So I lowered my prices significantly. And then I had to get, go back to work. I had to get another job because my prices were so low and I was exhausted and I was not the best coach that I could have been at that time. I was not sure. available. Um, I was always worried about money, but I was being accessible, right? Which kind of brings me to this like image thing that I think we were talking about earlier. Like I want the image of being the accessible neighborhood, call me up if you need anything coach. And I wasn't taking care of myself. My own yeah. finances were a hot mess and um, I hated my jobs, plural. <laughs> um, and I was stressed living in the city. Um, but at the same time, I know that it wasn't, it wasn't out of this like genuine desire to, I mean, it was partially, but it was mostly out of this like fear of like not being taken seriously as like a true helper because of my rates, like um, not being seen as, as humble or whatever because of my rates. Um, so I just think that your being brings an interesting part of this conversation on how to price yourself, how to accept money, how to service this, this population that needs your work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've tried to be really cautious with raising my rate, you know, and like there's, um, I mean, I don't plan on raising my rates anytime soon, you know, and like, um, I, cause, cause that sounds hard to like have your rates be high and then lower them. Mm -hmm. And then kind of like, that feels, that feels like a spooky experience like that's yeah sorry yeah. that you went through that um I mean not that it's like you didn't like survive an earthquake or anything but like right. it's not I mean it sounds like energetically like my last year I mean I've told the story about a thousand times on this podcast so you may or may, no, may I haven't heard not know yeah uh, my hair fell out that year all of my I had long hair and it all fell out and you know oh I'm, I'm regrowing it now but it all fell out that year and I think it was just like this accumulation of building up my talents my network my community my confidence and then someone makes a little comment about how my work is accessible and it's you know capitalistic and like because I'm charging for helping people and I'm just trying to pay the bills here my rent's two thousand was it a client who said that mm -mm. no it was a friend of mine from college See, I don't give a fuck. Like, if, it's, <laughs> if, if a client has something to say to me, and like, I will work with anybody on a price yeah. point if we're working together. But if somebody on the outside who has no idea what it's like to have a coaching program with me um, says some shit like that, I hope they go to therapy soon because it's none of their goddamn business. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's just like, and, and, you know, some, sometimes I'll be like, okay, this is what my sliding scale is right now. My, my, like, you know, lowest tier is taken up. Like right now, my lowest tier is taken up. My tier, my scale is different from, not different from usual, but it has that last tier lobbed off because I can't afford to charge that little right now. Mm -hmm. And, and when people come back and they're like, oh, I can't afford that. It's like, okay, great. Like, I love you, you know, like, when you know if you if you want help in some other capacity or like hit me up like you know like I just 
it's like letting go and surrender, right? Where it's just like, I have to, I have to charge the rates that I charge. And like, I've done so much work trying to be like, um, to accept myself and to like, believe that I'm enough that I like, I can't just go up and down on the scale like that adjusting to like external factors, right? Being like trying to poke at me. It's like, no, this is who I am. This is what I charge. And if you found me, you found me for a reason. And um, we might work together now or might work together in five years, but you know, we've connected and that's good enough for me, Um, which obviously is from a place of privilege, right? Like this is my only job right now. And um, I'm very lucky that I'm making enough money right now to pay all my bills and that I can, I I can be easygoing about it. You know, Um, that might not be the case next year. You know, it might, uh, that might not be the case next week. Who knows what's going to happen but um, I can't, I can't spend my time worrying about it. You know, like that's kind of, that's where like, you're no good to anybody else unless you're good to yourself comes in for me, where it's just like, if I'm a wreck about money, um, I'm not going to be a good coach. I'm going to be fretting about like, well, when am I going to raise this client's rates? I'm like, when am I going to do this or that? And it's like, my rates are what they are. They're not changing. Um, And I'm just hanging on to my seat you know, to see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is absolutely true. Did you ever have to go through any, um, experience like what we talked about with like anti-capitalism and all that kind of stuff that you learned in order to start charging? Like, did you ever have to go through any reckoning with that? I mean, I know I did. (laughs) Oh my God. Every day. I mean, every day, you know, and I, I think the difference now for me is that I don't really involve my clients or anyone else in it I recognize that like you know my my first of all uh robber barons are capitalists small business owners are not Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like capitalism is speaks to the the mechanism that has allowed for um monopolies and trust and Jeff Bezos like Jeff Bezos is a capitalist I am not fucking Jeff Bezos Right, right like it's just, there's no comparability. And I think that's the thing that happens where we start to internalize. Um, we get so critical of the robber baron type and we start to be like, I don't want, I'm nothing like that. I, I don't want to be anything like that. So then we kind of internalize it with this like Protestant work, work ethic and like American uh, yeah. exceptionalism and like all of this stuff. And then suddenly we're as bad as Bezos or whatever. Like, and it's like my, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like that has nothing to do with me. And actually the reason why it's so easy for me and mm, I, I, you know, I don't want to make a huge claim and be like for everyone to internalize this self-loathing because we already self-loathe, right? We already don't think that we're enough. We already think that like any, if we want to um, improve our situation or make more money or enjoy our job, that's bad. Why? Why do we think that? That doesn't make any fucking sense. I love that you brought up like capitalism, Jeff Bezos, almost trillionaire, uh, exploiter of many, many people um, to Protestant work ethic. Like there's that, because I know I flipped that switch too. I think something happened in the news, something around the time that this person I am telling you about reached out to me and said like, well, this is not accessible. You need to be offering accessible, you know, I'm just one person (laughs) and my rent was $2,000 and I was in credit card debt and I was like, you know, my hair is falling out. (laughs) So for me to have internalized like, oh my God, I am what's wrong with the world. Like, and then to flip into this Protestant work, I think is a very important distinguish, like to distinguish anybody listening to this podcast knows that they're like now know that there's this difference and we don't need to flip flop, flip flop between one or the other like there is this gray area and i hear you speaking to this gray area of like you get to take care of yourself and you are i am so everybody listening to this podcast right now is so far off from being jeff bezos right now that like you don't have anything to worry about with making with like like all of my dreams can come true overnight and i still wouldn't even be that close uh, at all so i i think that is also like a huge breath of fresh air what you just said to anybody who like wants to make money but has this like internalized fear of like ooh, am i gonna get am i gonna get eaten because everyone's saying eat the rich now like am i gonna get eaten um no you know <laughs> um my my income has fluctuated so much since starting this 
And that's because my energy has, my fear of receiving money has. And I think that you just made a gorgeous point. <laughs> so thank you. That, I guess that uh, master's degree was worth something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that you'll come with, you already do, and you will continue to come with a unique approach. Um, that's why another, another weird thing I had to go through when I started this was I felt like I didn't have enough education to do any of this stuff. I didn't have any formal, I have an undergrad in psychology, which I had internalized as just like, I don't know, I don't know anything like undergrad. And like, they tell you your entire undergrad year in psychology that undergrads don't know anything. You need to really go to master's, you need to get a PhD, you need to go to medical school to really know something. But an undergrad is like kindergarten. Like I really internalized that idea. Um, so I graduated feeling like, well, I don't know anything. Um, even with life coach certification, yoga certification, like all these things, I was like, I don't know anything. But then I kind of just like received into meditation once, like your unique experience is worth everything. Um, the fact that like, it is probably refreshing to you that you, to some people that you are this age, you are this, this face, like, you know, I already said age, like you are who you are is so refreshing with so many people. So I think your unique perspective, everything that's happened to you living out of your car, like, you know, helping, helping people who need you. And, and you know, that like, when you coach people, you're kind of like low key coaching yourself, even in a past sense, past way, past life. Um, so I, my next question. Oh my God. Yes. Sorry. No, that was such course. a good point. So like, I love that where it's like, um, when you're in a helping industry, it's kind of a way to, um, if you want it to be, it can be a way to kind of reparent yourself and be like, I remember when I was in that position and this is what I am saying to my past self, mm -hmm. right? To like, try to help you through this. That's kind of lovely, right? Because that's the whole thing about like a helping industry is that like, we're all connected. There's like something, I mean, we can, people can quibble about semantics, but like, like the idea that we're connected and that mutual aid is uh, a critical tenant of our current and always time. Mm -hmm. um, that's a spiritual idea, you know, like the fact, like being of service, like uh, mutual aid, helping people who are in need, like giving of yourself without expecting something in return, barring fees, of course. Um, but like without, without holding it over people's heads, you know, like that's, I don't know. Yeah. I, you got me thinking. That's no, all. of course. That's, that's the idea that we get you thinking. Uh, <laughs> lots of, lots of good points being made here. Um, so my next question is about your Instagram handle, which is, uh, my other witch is a life coach. Uh, I want to know the story behind that, or even if there isn't one, I still want to hear like kind of your, your explanation or. Yeah. Oh my God. So funny. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know if, if I, if I'm expressing this so far in the interview, but like, I'm a pretty crude person and I like <laughs> dick jokes and like yeah. boob jokes. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I, I just like shitty crude stuff like that. Like I'm, you know, I'm a, duh I love John Waters so, like I saw pink flamingos when I was like 14 and I was like this is great like I and it's like pink flamingos is like one of the nastier ones I feel like um but anyways my point in that whole preface is that um I've always loved that bumper sticker uh, my other ride is your mom <laughs> um <laughs> I just always thought that was like so funny and I'm just like wow that's so rude like and who are you talking to like who is this directed at um, <laughs> and and it, it always seemed catchy to me and then so when I kind of like started going on this this life coaching road I felt really self-conscious about it you know and I'm like I guess I have this like job now that nobody really understands what it is and that some people think of as very frivolous um, and so kind yeah. of as like a way to protect myself against that judgment that I was anticipating, I made a little joke, you know, and like, you know, I want, I want to be aligned with this kind of like, um, like neo witchcraft, like Wiccan movement that's happening. Um, while I don't like practice a prescribed witchcraft, I am like associated. It's like on my periphery. I mean, I'm on its periphery. Like I definitely like um 
pay attention and read the books and like do the tarot and like have my own like obviously like I've talked about so much like kind of detailed spiritual practice Mm -hmm. so that's that's like a meaningful aesthetic to me and one that I wanted to flag to clients to be like I'm not a witch but I'm a life coach Uh and so if you if you have a witch already maybe you need a life coach too or like you like it's kind of like in the in the realm of services right where it's like you know it's just more more indifferent I don't know it was it was a joke to be like here I am and this is these are oh I think it's perfect I knew that there was a story in there somewhere because right off the bat like with the name and the Instagram bio like it was clear like what your perspective is who you are what you're here to do and I know that there's so much more to unfold um so I I I know that there's like it's not that's not it but it's like a very good door to kind of go into what like who you are and what you offer um so as part of the questions that I ask every single one of my guests and I'm very interested in hearing your answers to these what is the main takeaway you want for our listeners based off of your story um, yeah, the main takeaway is that you can change your mind and that you don't have to live this or that way. Like you're not, um, you're not beholden to old ideas or old values. And like, if you really want to, you, um, you don't have to, like, I feel like I'm just repeating myself over and over again, but like you, nobody has to do anything that sucks. Yeah, they don't want to. (laughs) I mean, you just don't have to. And it's really hard, right? But like, and it takes practice, like with the, you know, drilling in of like the radical self acceptance and like all of this, but like, you just don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, I, that is so important, especially if, and I mean, I was raised by uh, very religious parents and like their parents were even more religious and it kept going back and back and back to the Puritan days. Um, so just that concept just blew my brains. Um, what is a ritual mantra or mindset that reminds you who the fuck you are? Yeah. So I have like a list that I wrote down for this. Okay, cool. Um, so like I've been taking a ceramics class and that really like brings me back into myself as an artist and like mm-hmm. kind of like being and with with clay you're just like you fuck it up like you're gonna make so many mistakes and it's like such a good practice for radical acceptance right um and like the artistic piece is really important and listening to patty smith is something that makes me feel like myself so much yeah um yeah, just listening to horses in its entirety or, you know, listening to her cover of Gloria or, um, oh my God, Because the Night. Yeah, like Patti Smith takes me to myself. Um, and then, of course, like super corny, like talking to the friends, talking to my beloved friends on the phone and just being like, I've known these people for decades and they know me. And when, when I'm going through something or when I'm not, like, there's always that, like, supportive comment where it's like, oh, well, Helen, you've always, th- I've noticed this thing about you and, like, this is good and, like, I, you know, you'll, you'll do great and, like, just having that support network um, of people who know who the fuck I am to remind me, right? Yeah. That connection. Yeah, talking to people who see you in the light that, like, you forget that you're in sometimes. Um, you, they never, you know, they didn't give you anything. They just saw, gave you an alternate perspective. Um, so you touched on this earlier. What inspires you about yourself? Yeah. Still going to say that it's that I'm alive. Like that's still kind of stunning to me. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like there's a lot of, there's, I mean, I feel like it's like kind of weird to be like, there's a lot of times I should have died, but uh, I mean, also thinking about like, the human being formed in the fetus and being born and not because babies are just always trying to kill themselves like they're always running into something pulling something out and I just think about that and I'm like wow we are all yeah. alive all the time um, I remember when I was like seven no eight eight years old something like that I choked on an orange <laughs> and I remember like my face turning purple and yeah. uh and then someone some stranger came up behind me and just like slapped me on the back and I just like it just flew out of my throat and I was like sometimes I think about that I'm like I could have died I really could have died and I didn't because some strangers came up to me and was like um (laughs) but I mean your background is 
much more interesting than my orange. Uh, <laughs> I also choked, I choked on a taco when I was a kid. So uh, I got you. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all that, like all of that, just like, and also like being even more specifically than being alive, like being here and being in a helping field that is aligned to you. Like you could be in grad school right now, reading a book right now, instead of on this podcast. Um, which, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, no offense to grad school, but like, uh, you know, I mean, it seems like you're happier here. Uh, what does be your own muse mean to you for the final question? I have no idea. I tried so hard. I was like, maybe it'll come to me. What does this mean to me? Cause I, I feel like so much of what is important and meaningful to me is being a part of, right. And like being in relationship to other people and being connected to other people. And so I was trying to think of it in, in that context. And so I guess like be your own muse, you know, I think, I think what that means for me right now is um, I know what my values are and that is the, uh, that's the catalyzing like fulcrum, right? Like that's the thing that makes me reach out my values of like um, our innate interdependence, um, my values of mutual aid and of helping and like just wanting to be of service and to learn how to live with equanimity and, um, and like encourage serenity and encourage self-actualization. Those values from within me, that's, that's what I kind of see as like my be your own muse, right? I love that. I also love that you brought up, like you, you know, you gave a good answer, of course, like, you know, A plus, but also you brought up that like difficulty in answering this question because of your desire to be in a community as opposed to, and that honestly has been the hardest part for me in this whole, what, like I said earlier in this podcast, I'm not a thousand percent sure what be your own muse means, but I know that this podcast and this message is something I'm meant to carry out. Um, so for me, the be your own muse, to me, it kind of freaks me out because I'm like, well, what about mentors and communities and elders and like people who we can look up to? And, um, and so like just that juxtaposition of like, well, yes, and like you can have both, but know that like when someone is giving you inspiration, they are giving you a gift that you can then accept and have it within you all the time. They're not just like in themselves a shiny object that you need. There's that codependency that's like the, the core that's being broken. You don't need to be codependent with them anymore because the codependency or the feeling vain and just staring at yourself in the mirror all day, that's, that is the most uncomfortable thing in the world for me. So this here beer on muse, I'm constantly like, are we just gonna stare at ourselves in the mirror all day? But then of course, when I interview people like you, I'm like, oh no, that's not what that means, you know? So you brought up a very interesting part of that um so thank you you know i actually you're welcome um also thank you <laughs> yeah um but like i was thinking something that came up for me when i was thinking about it yesterday was like the muse artist relationship is by nature exploitative and there is an expectation for the because the muse is like manic pixie yeah. like whatever the fuck rest of that phrase is but like um so it's, it's like inherently exploitative and we expect the muse to be silent, mm -hmm. right? And to just be this kind of like fountain of inspiration until they run out, right? Like there's all these kinds of like stories where it's like, oh, she was my muse for a time. And like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, in film or in books, like you kind of have this uh, narrative that gets built around the idea of the artist muse uh, relationship. And maybe be your own muse means re-examining what an exploitive relationship like that means and looks like. I love that. Thank you for bringing that up because it, it shines light on like be your own muse. Like that, that phrase, it, it's in my head. It's in my, like, it's like this, this message that keeps getting downloaded to me a lot and I don't like it. Like, I mean, I've never said that before. I've had this podcast for over a year now. Uh, my Facebook group is called Be Your Own Muse. Like this is just the Be Your Own Muse is a huge part of my brand and I don't like it, but that means that, that means that I have to explore it 
and lean into it because I did reject it at first. I started a blog called Be Your Own Muse two years ago and I was like, I don't like this. This is weird. I don't like it. So now like I actually had um, around the, the George Floyd protests and like COVID and just like when things were really hard out there, um, I shut down. I stopped this podcast. I stopped posting. I, I stopped because I was like, we need to, we need to stop. Like, this is not, mm-hmm. this is, this is not cute, you know? <laughs> um, but then I got um, an astrology reading and from someone who I trust and who has known me for years. And she said, this is, this is, this is the time for you to lean into this thing that's making you so uncomfortable. It's time for you to not use this as an excuse to clam up and fold your, you know, the, what's the word, cross your legs and be quiet in church. This is the time for you to speak. Um, and I'm learning like every day what that means and what that looks like. And it's very uncomfortable. Um, but I think like conversations like this and people like you remind me every day, like what this is actually about. And you brought up the artist and the muse thing. And like, if you ever look up, if you ever look up Be Your Own Muse, it's lots of pictures of like um, skinny naked white ladies um, looking in the mirror, which cool, love that. Um, like the, the Aphrodite. Do, do we love that? I mean, what I mean is like, if you <laughs> wanna look at yourself in the mirror and you are a skinny naked white lady, go for it, you know? Um, but like, I wanted to challenge that and make it bigger and bigger. And I just didn't really know how. Um, a lot of my branding is like the Aphrodite because the Aphrodite is another thing that keeps coming to me um, on a very personal share. When I go into the Akashic records, when I meditate, Aphrodite comes to me all the time. And I'm like, what the fuck, bitch? Like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Like, you know, you... <laughs> but it's but why like... she's coming to you. What are you doing? You have to let her in. Right. No. Right. But like, to me, there's just something uncomfortable there. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And so basically all that to say is like i'm exploring every day what be your amuse means i'm exploring what the hell aphrodite wants with me all that stuff um so uh <laughs> um just like interviews like this and your angle and your perspective and the answer that you just gave what does be your amuse mean to you like that helps so much and it helps like tell a story that needs to collectively be told um so thank you thank you so much helen yeah, um, well, that's all that I have for you today. Um, thank you so much for answering all these questions and being amazing. Um, and I'll have Helen's information down below in the wherever you can find them in the show notes. Uh, so thank you so much. And we will see you till next time.